Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily, Premier League Update. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily from Sports Social, your only daily Premier League podcast. Hit subscribe now and never miss a show wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, we'll talk Carlo Ancelotti, one of the great managers of the modern game, but there's one team in world football he's faced more than any other and never won, and that team is Everton, and Goodison Park looks like where he'll pitch up next, it's believed. The Italian is said to be a matter of hours away from being the new Toffees boss. And as the managerial merry-go-round continues, could we see Mikel Arteta prized away from Pep Guardiola's side as Arsenal close in on appointing the Manchester City assistant? We'll discuss both of the new recruits, possibly touching down at new clubs on today's podcasts, as well as looking at last night's big game between Crystal Palace and Brighton, which finished one apiece. Big game. Big game. It's always a big game. <laughs> it's a derby, commas. Jim. You can't, you can't slag a derby off. When a My... derby's named after a road, it's not a big derby. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Niall, and to go through it all in the studio with me today, you've already heard from Jim Salverson. Hello, Jim. Hello. And Marley Anderson as well. Hello, Hello. Marley. Hello. Um, anyone in your crosshairs today, Marley, after your ravaging attack on Burnley fans yesterday? <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I'm just about <laughs> to spin my wheel of hate. Uh, everyone's looking rather Christmassy with Christmas jumpers on. I'm not. I feel the odd one out, but there might be an early Christmas present on the cards for Everton fans as Carlo Ancelotti is close to being named the club's new manager. And to tell us all about it, we've got Greg O'Keefe, the Everton correspondent for The Athletic on the line. Hello to you, Greg. Hello there. Good afternoon, guys. It sounds like it's going to be a busy 48 hours for you, to be fair. What can you tell us already about Ancelotti going to Goodison? Well, first and foremost, it is going to be a busy uh, remainder of the week, I think. Um, from what we understand, he's in London as as we speak, um, having face-to-face talks with Everton's majority owner, Fahad Mashiri. Um, and that caps a world with 24 hours, really. Um, this time on Monday, uh, the prospect of him having physical talks with Everton in the UK looked fairly remote. There had been contact last week, and uh, he was a, certainly a candidate that Everton were very interested in. Um, but I think things gathered momentum yesterday uh, and, and to such an extent that he's now delayed his holiday with his wife. He was going to go to Naples 
uh, collect his stuff and then fly to Vancouver and enjoy a, a break. Of course, he was only sacked last week by Napoli after getting them through to the group stages of the Champions League. And, and here we have it. Uh, Murray has a, a very compelling way of talking uh, and he will be one of the, uh, we understand, best-paid managers in the world, probably once again. I'm sure he's had that title in the past. Um, should everything go to plan and he agrees this deal with Everton. You know, it, it's. I'm sure a lot of neutrals will be looking at it and thinking Everton are 16th on the table. They're a club that's struggled for trophies and success in, in many years and it'll feel like a real coup uh, and maybe even a bit, bit surreal to see someone of his pedigree rocking up mm-hmm. but I think you've got to keep in mind the ambition of the owner Mashiri, uh, his contacts in world football and the fact that this is a guy that I, I feel he's always wanted to appoint an A-lister, a Hollywood manager if yeah. you like and he tried that with Ronald Koeman and it didn't work. He went to maybe with a younger coach for you know an up and coming coach with Marco Silva it didn't work um, and I think this is something that he's always wanted to do actually uh, and circumstances have just seemed to have fallen at the right time for him but if you look you know, over the weekend there was still speculation Everton have sort of flipped and flopped if you like or, or rather probably just in fairness read, you know, led an exhaustive search for candidates as they sacked Silva and Mikel Arteta was, was on their list and still one that they were considering very strongly although it looks like he's Arsenal bound as you said at the top of the section so um, yeah from one younger coach with no experience to a slightly older coach with probably more experience than most of <laughs> How close do you think this one is? Because I'm very much in the believe it when I see it camp at the moment yeah. and the story's yeah. changed a lot over just the last 12 hours yeah. Sky Sports went it's definitely happening it's on then Everton released a statement about not releasing a statement <laughs> pretty much and went well we haven't <laughs> had any contact with any managers yet no one's signed any contracts so I mean if you were going to go give us a percentage of how likely this is to get over the line what would you go for? I'd go for like 70% from what I'm hearing this morning. Easy. If you'd ask me, just, just to underline how how much it's changed, if you'd ask me that, you know, sort of yesterday afternoon, I would have said 50% because um, I know how serious Everton are about, as I say, attracting a top manager. Um, money doesn't seem to be an issue with, uh, with Mashiri, which is probably what's greasing the wheels of this because, you know, in so many ways, for Ancelotti to come to a club that's not in the Champions League, um, it's not in Europe at all, and is struggling in its domestic league, you know, you, you'd wonder would he not have waited until the summer and maybe then had his pick of, if not a club in, you know, that was a title, recent title winner, certainly one that's in Europe. But he, he's, from all intents and purposes, considering taking a a mitigated risk. It does change, and that statement that you that you mentioned was an odd one last night. I have to say, I've spoken to people at Everton, and um, there's not much clarity around that. They, there was a line in it, wasn't there, about nobody having ruled themselves out, mm. which I could only think related. It's such a, such a strange thing to with very little context and I can only think that maybe was referring to uh, Vitor Pereira if you remember him mm. <laughs> the Shanghai SIPG manager <laughs> who apparently ruled himself out a couple of weeks ago but with all respect to Vitor to go from him to being hopeful of landing Ancelotti is, just shows you how sort of busying this pursuit's been really yeah. Greg you uh, you mentioned uh, money there not really being an, being an object um, Everton yeah. have spent a lot of money over the last few years on, on the playing squad and managers and what have you and they've got the new stadium yeah. coming up 
Is there any sign? Like it seems to be an endless pit. There's rumours as well of, of Ancelotti <laughs> becoming becoming one of Euro, uh, the top three best paid managers in Europe as well. So where where's all this yeah. coming from? Where will it end? When when's it got to stop? <laughs> Yeah, look, it's a really good question, and it's it's a question that fans are asking themselves because to be to, to try and understand how Everton have twisted and turned since Fabrice took over is quite, like I say, it's head spinning. What we understood to be the situation under Marcel Brands, who's the director of football, certainly in the summer, was that the magic money tree of Mishiri was was no more. Um, he's always been an owner that has said that yeah, he wants to move into a new stadium. He's fiercely ambitious. And certainly in the early part of his reign, when he took over three years ago, he, he was willing to back managers exhaustively financially. Um, and as you say, I think they spent nearly half a billion pounds on players. And probably you'd have to say, well, definitely you'd have to say, um, unsuccessfully in the long run, because it hasn't brought uh, a trophy. It hasn't brought any tangible success in the league. But the brand... We, we were apparently led to believe it was an era of kind of relative austerity and they were going to be sensible in the spending and, and not be lavishing money on managers anymore and that was what Silva was working under. So now you've got Ancelotti in and it will all depend, I suppose, on what he's agreed, which we'll find out, I'm sure, in the next 48 hours if it's going to happen. You'd imagine he would want assurances over budget um, and you'd imagine that he'll want to have a go at spending a fair, a fair few quid in, in January in the summer unless he's you know, coming at it with a completely different mindset that he may be very, very well paid himself, but he's going to work with the players he's got. I wouldn't mm-hmm. imagine that would be the case. And if you look at the, the squad he's going to walk into and compare it to the squad he's walked into, even at Napoli, but then Chelsea, Real Madrid, AC Milan, the list goes on. There's uh, there's some difference, <laughs> some difference. So it's going to be really interesting. Can he do it? You would never bet against him because of his track record, but. It will be a unique challenge in his career, probably going back to when he started out at Parma, really, I would suggest. Greg, it's been great to chat to you, mate. Appreciate your time. Hopefully uh, my cold and your cold clears up and uh, the Everton fans will have something to celebrate by the end of the week. <laughs> Hopefully, right. Cheers, lads. Nice one. Cheers, Greg. Appreciate your time. Yeah, Take mate. care, mate. Cheers. That was Greg O'Keefe, the Everton writer for The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Greg O'K, and I'm sure he'll be keeping everyone up to date with the latest news regarding Carlo Ancelotti to Everton. I'm still not buying it. I know, I, I can see, see in your it. face. I can see Real in your Madrid, face. Madrid, Bayern Munich, AC Milan, Everton. It's madness, isn't it? It's it is madness. It's crazy. It's brilliant, though, if you're an Everton fan. Yeah, it would be fantastic, and 100% he is the best of the candidates that have been linked with the job so far. What's interesting was Greg was saying there about it's the money. It's a slight on Vitor Pereira, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? The, and Duncan Ferguson. Uh, the <laughs> matter of money, I think, is really interesting because I don't think Ancelotti would be going to Everton just for a wage packet because he could pick up a good wage packet he if he went to, to Arsenal, if he went to Manchester United when they eventually sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the summer. He'd have options all over the place. I think there will be a serious rebuilding to do at Everton. And they have good players but they certainly need a few more key personnel. I think this is on the cards, really. You think it's going to happen? Well, Italian press here, I've just seen a translated article where the headline is translated as practically defined, which basically means that it's happening. But I think it's an interesting point you make because, like you say, I think London would have been the most preferred destination for Ancelotti, so the money must have spoken in order for him to, to take a job at Everton. Yeah. I think Arsenal have missed a trick, not throwing everything at him, but they they've seemed to have made their mind up on Arteta. Um, funnily enough, I thought between the two of them, they would get one of these two jobs. Arteta or Ancelotti would be in the Arsenal and Everton job 
but I just didn't know which one at which club. Mm. But it seems like Ancelotti's got off to off to Goodison. And he, the thing for me is he's never took over a team that needs to go from one level to another. He's always took over top level teams and got them sort of underperforming uh, giants. Basically, he's never took a team from mid-table Europa League kind of that sort of vicinity up to top four, top six is, Maybe that's is, the is what they're spending Maybe that's for. why he wants to do it, potentially. Maybe, but... And you'd be, I mean, you wouldn't even describe Everton as a Europa League at the moment, would no, you? No, they're not. Well, that's, well, they that's the next level they need to get to. But there are good players in that Everton team. Right the way through it, they've got yeah. good options. But they haven't built a top four team yet. You could just say that those players haven't been managed properly. And that comes from the top. It comes from Mashiri. It comes from those people making the decisions. They've made the wrong appointment. It never worked mm. out for Ronald Koeman, who did a decent job at Southampton, and now he's obviously the Netherlands manager. It really didn't work out with Marco Silva. So this appointment now needs to be spot on. But they haven't and built that team either with the appointment. So Brands, director of football... Everyone loves Brands at Everton, don't they? But his responsibility surely yeah, should have been... Yeah, spending money. That's why I'd love he, He's done, like, as Manchester United did, he's bought players rather than a team, mm. which is part of the problem at Everton. So whether he'll then have a relationship with Ancelotti, whether he'll still be in charge of recruitment, it's another big question, isn't it? I think it's a wheel of fire because you can blame brands for saying, oh, he's just buying players and not buying players with a view to building a team. Is that not a manager's job to do that? And even if he doesn't have the players that perhaps suit the system he wants to play, is it not his responsibility, a manager's responsibility, Marco Silva's responsibility as it would have been, to squeeze the most out of what he's got? Like, for instance, what Rafa did at Newcastle. You would have been mm. equally buzzing when Rafa joined the club. As Greg put it really nicely, an A-list manager. Yeah. Everton will be feeling the same about Ancelotti and they'll be wanting him to come in and squeeze the most out of this Everton squad that he's got. Yeah, I think that's maybe the uh, the sort of one thing to remember with with a director of football. They spot good players and, you know, you can, you can say... Uh, the track record can prove that they, that they spot good players in, in a lot of cases, but good players don't always make good teams. Mm. So it's up to the manager and the director of football to work in conjunction and say, yeah, he's a fantastic player, but I don't need another left back or, or he's, he doesn't track back. He's not going to be a proper That's player problem, for us. It? When it has to be syn- uh, synthesis. Was it synth- symbiotic? Yeah. That'll do. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Jim. <laughs> when there's a relationship between the two, it works. You're right. It's when there's that disconnect. Yeah that it breaks down and you get players coming in that the director of football fancies, maybe the manager doesn't, and you end up with £40 million sitting on the bench because the yeah. manager's making a point about not playing them. Yeah. I think one one person who will be happy with this appointment uh, is Moise Keane, Italian manager. Sure. Coming in, he'll help him. If anyone's going to help him settle in and actually yeah. make a success of Everton... Good call. Yeah, Moise Keane will be buzzing to see him come through the door tomorrow or whatever it is. I agree. Some of the testimonials from Italian players that um, I've read over the last 24 hours about Carlo yeah. Ancelotti's style of management has been sort of pretty eye-opening, really. And if that's... He's you know, a godfather in Italy. He is. He's uh, a god everyone, in Italy. Everyone loves him. Yeah. Everyone loves him. I mean, some of the players that we're talking about that have uh, written testimonials about him, Pirlo, um, Nesta, Maldini. I think someone called Maldini the banner of AC Milan. And uh, Maldini responded by saying, well, if I'm the banner, Carlo Ancelotti's the wind that makes me flutter. (laughs) He's also got the best eyebrows in football. (laughs) He's got amazing eyebrows. If you watch him in a post-match interview, they are all over the place. (laughs) They're they're, they're a marvel to watch. Well, Jose Bosingua has got the best eyebrow in football (laughs) because he's only got one of them. Um, This is Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. Seven days a week, you can get every single... 
Seven days a week, you can get news and opinion on the Premier League every single day of the Premier League season. We'll bring out a new show for you right then. That's Ancelotti done and dusted. We might have seen him pitch up at Arsenal, perhaps. Um, Marley suggesting that maybe it was either between Ancelotti or Arteta. I mentioned Allegri on yesterday's podcast. It looks like, though, Marley, the Gunners are going to plump for Mikel Arteta after a rather inconspicuous photo of him leaving or a Manchester City official or an Arsenal official. I can't remember which way it round it was. Someone lit, someone yeah. left someone's mansion and it looked a bit suspicious. Yeah, um, so either someone's been to meet Arteta or someone's having an affair. <laughs> and, It'd be and really the press... weird if Arteta was having an affair with a board member of Arsenal. <laughs> that would be a bizarre turn of events. Hey, hey uh, there are many people who've had affairs to get jobs, mate, over the years. <laughs> I'm not sure it's ever happened at a Premier League club. But it's a whole new definition it would the be typical head Arsenal. coach, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my We're in gosh. Alan Pardew territory. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, they seem, to, they seem to have plumped for the risk, don't they? Uh, Arteta is a risk. There's no question about it. Obviously, great player. Been under Pep for three, four years now. So, you know, you, you, can, you can say he'll bring that style to them, but... Will he will he sort out the defense? Will he build a, a team that needs symbiotic? Whatever you said before, they need that as well as Everton symbioticness or whatever whatever it is symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one but, of them. But we don't that's know. This need. that's the big thing. We we don't know. I'm sure yeah. people in charge of Arsenal and people at Man City would know what he will bring as a manager, and we don't at the moment. It's you... impossible to know what he brings as a manager. He's managed yeah. one game in his career, and it was Man City when um, Pep. Let him yeah. was Pep banned from touchline ban. Touchline ban and, and Arteta. He said to Arteta, "You're going to be in charge. You pick the team and everything." And they lost one nil to think it was Zagreb in in Champions League or something or Shakhtar. But we've seen it work recently with a few managers, former players coming yeah. into management. Lampard at Derby and then Chelsea. Gerrard at Rangers and you have to say that Rangers and Derby, they're not Arsenal Football Club. It's yeah. a very different job, Arsenal Football Club. They'd which, both beat him on current form. It, they probably wouldn't. It comes with a pressure, that Arsenal job, that I don't think many other jobs have in football at the moment because of the toxic atmosphere that comes from the fans and the mm, yeah. and the weird board setup and the level of expectation. It's a hell of a job to go into. It is a risk, but I, I don't... I don't think it's the craziest appointment in the world. Ah, see, I can't agree with that. Is this ballsy from Arsenal or is it just stupid? Because... After the way that Emery left the club, and look at the way Arsenal played against Manchester City. I know City were on fire. I know Kevin De Bruyne was pulling strings. But Arsenal just looked all at sea in that game. They looked all at sea for a good length of the game against Brighton as well that they played in midweek a couple of weeks ago. Mm. I just think that there's something so fundamentally wrong there with Arsenal. And from what I've seen of Arteta, which is obviously being glued to Pep's hip, I don't think he can turn it around. So there was a brilliant thread that was on Twitter from a Twitter account called Real Talk MCFC that charted Arteta's impact at City during his time at the club. And it also mentioned the fact that in Arsene Wenger's final seasons at Arsenal, Arteta was taking a lot of the coaching de- coaching sessions because right. Wenger had said to him, you've got a great attention for detail, I want you to coach these sessions. But it also talked about what he's done for Pep Guardiola, the influence he's had on making tactical decisions during the game and also it raised the point that when Pep came to Manchester City that was as we've mentioned before it was his setup it was a perfect scenario for Pep Guardiola to go in 
from the way the youth team was coached to the building work they'd done to the pitches they'd built to the team they'd built around the club before that, if there was any doubt in Pep Guardiola's mind that Arteta was not the best man to have as his number two at that point, he would not have been bought in. Supposedly Manchester City are fuming with Arsenal's approach for Arteta. Mm. Why? I don't get that. City fans seem up, but when was when has anyone ever been upset that a coach has been poached for a manager? Uh, yeah, I don't get yeah. why. Uh, why are Manchester honest, City I... angry? He's an assistant manager. He used to be an he's an Arsenal, pretty much an Arsenal legend. He yeah. played there for years. Why? What? What right have City got to be angry that another club? And I, I think you could argue over history, Arsenal are a bigger club than Manchester City. Well, the only reason City would be angry is because they see the potential in Arteta and see him as a potential replacement, maybe if Pep does see out the final two years of his contract as the next man to take that Manchester City job, which again is a massive tick in that box. The other thing that was mentioned is apparently Arteta is the coach who's been working directly with Raheem Sterling. We've seen improvements that Raheem Sterling has made Mm. over the last two seasons and a lot of that development is being credited to Mikel Arteta. Is this where football politics comes into it? Because is this now going to force Manchester City's management team into sort of admitting that, you know, will they have to concede to Arteta you know, you, you're next in line for the job when Pep goes. Mm. And let's just say Pep leaves in the summer. I mean, you know, Arteta might go, right, the Arsenal job's available now, but I don't know when the City job's going to be available. I mean, mm. yeah. wh- what do you be an assistant coach for with Wait. a view to becoming a manager? Yeah. No one ever sits there in the dugout and goes, oh, I want to be an assistant coach forever and ever. Other than Willie Downs. John Carver did. Yeah, John Carver did I mean, that. But you our, see what I mean? But from Arteta's yeah. point of view, and from Manchester City's point of view as well, even if they've got Arteta earmarked for this job when Guardiola leaves in 2022, whenever his contract expires, wouldn't you rather have Arteta spending a couple of years at Arsenal and then coming back to Manchester City? To gain that frontline well, experience. That's where the politics comes in, isn't it? They've got to, if they have got a long term plan for him, they need to tell him or put it in the contract, kind of like a players do with a buyback clause, yeah. something like that. Have a break clause purely for Man City. That that isn't that rare in um, in in contracts. Like a lot of teams have. If I get the chance to manage my or play for, if it's a player, mm. my hometown club or ex club, then you have to let me go. And a lot of, a lot of clubs agree to that, but. It depends on it depends on Arsenal. I think Man City are, are annoyed because Arteta's never really shown that he wants to leave. He's been linked with a lot of jobs in over the the past three years. But well, he was linked with every, Arsenal before they appointed Emery, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, so he's always said, "No, no, I'm, I'm good here." And then this time it's come round, and it's a bit different, and it's a bit sort of flaky, and it's like, "Oh, oh I might fancy that." And obviously, this picture comes out, and I think City City have then said to him. Um, you need to clarify your position. I think that was the mm. the pr- in the press yesterday. You need to clarify your position. Basically, just sort your head out. Tell us what you're doing because we can we can let you go and sort something out with Arsenal, or we can refuse to let you go or anything. But Man City don't want to be left in limbo about their assistant coach, especially when they played them the other night as well. That was awkward because Arteta was sitting there, possibly about to take over Arsenal's next match, but keep seeing his current side whack him 3-0. He looked very grumpy about the whole thing, didn't he? Was, he? Yeah, it was like, it was weird. There will be Arsenal fans that will be really disappointed by this appointment. They won't be yeah. the man they want. They'll want Max Allegri all day, or they would have wanted Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah. But from a neutral point of view, I think it could be really interesting. I think there's a chance he could be one of the next top quality managers, and he needs to get that chance to actually deliver. I think so as well, but he needs the... I've said it before on this podcast, Arsenal are a mess. 
Yeah, their are. squad is talented and their squad are full of idiots. <laughs> it's why <Arteta laughs> just horrible people to manage. Like, look at the way Xhaka responded. I don't think Xhaka's much of a problem. I think Ozil's a massive problem because yeah. he's not doing it on the pitch. He's very political in what he does, which is fine as long as it doesn't annoy an entire country, which he just has. <laughs> and then he comes in and he kicks his gloves at the weekend and that wound me up because I was like, why are you annoyed? You haven't looked You haven't looked like you've cared on the pitch when you're 3-0 down. Do something on the pitch or at least run off. You've just seen Xhaka five weeks ago. Mm. Get pelted. Get, yeah. get told, you know, get booed off and then start a, a war with his own fan base, which again, are toxic. Horrible fan base. This is why I don't. This is who I'm going to go off on today. Go on, go on. Back to your first, just the Arsenal fan base. Any fans of any other club in the Premier League? Marley just doesn't like them. (laughs) (laughs) Any other fans? No one likes Arsenal fans. But what Marley's saying here, that is exactly why I don't think Arteta will work. That's, well, it's an acid test because I think Allegri or Ancelotti could easily demand that instant respect and sort things out. Yeah. Um, Arteta needs to have it. And we we simply don't know if he has it. We know he's got the talent, let's be honest. Part of the Arsenal board's theory about bringing in Freddie Lundberg as a temporary boss was that he would instill back in the squad what it meant to be an Arsenal player. <laughs> no, he hasn't because he's just their mate, isn't he? And you've got to remember just as, well. him as a friend. And the players on the pitch, they don't care what it means to be an Arsenal player. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a thing for them. Arsenal have been... So insignificant. They're not, they're in not terms Tony of the Adams in the club for so long. Yeah, it does. It's, get it's Tony Adams in. Jesus Granada Christ. legend. Absolute Martin legend. Martin as assistant. Oh God. Get it happen. No, definitely. No, that's just too, that's just a step too far. This is Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. Make sure you uh, hit subscribe. You'll never miss a show again. We're going to take a quick break, and afterwards we'll be talking about the uh, competition that everyone loves, the Carabao Cup. Aston Villa versus Liverpool taking place tonight as well as a big game that happened on Monday Night Football. Brighton against Crystal Palace. Don't go anywhere. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is your Premier League update for Tuesday. I'm Niall, we've got Jim, and we've got Marley alongside me in the studio. Jim, last night, the uh, the derby between Crystal Palace and Brighton. I'm sure you were... Itching to watch that when you got home from work yesterday? Is it the A23 or the M23 derby? I don't know. I've seen two different versions, you see. Uh, I thought it was A23, but I, I could be I think wrong. the A23 turns into the M23. I could be wrong. South London. And I could be wrong because I couldn't give a toss. Yeah, I think it's a about... difficult one for neutrals to get involved with, isn't it? The Brighton versus Palace game. And the fact that Christian Benteke hit the bar, I think, tells you everything you need to know about the football game. <laughs> hey, <laughs> doesn't it really? Um, I'll tell you what. I've seen a few people a bit confused about this. I think it's because it's a relatively new derby. I think it only really started in the late 60s, early 70s, when both yeah. Palace and Brighton were kind of in the same league, I think. And then there was a few run-ins off the pitch. And I think one manager went from Palace to Brighton or, or from South London down to the South Coast. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where the rivalry comes from. But it's been a bit of an innocuous one over the years, which is, I think is why it's, it's not been at the forefront. It's not exactly been televised loads. I think that's maybe why people aren't quite on board with it. I think... You've hit the nail on the head as to why it's a bit of a weird derby that no one cares about because it's not really a derby. Like, derbies are either based on your proximity to another team, right? So, like, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Everton, or they can be based on two teams competing against each other over a long period of time at the highest level, Liverpool, Manchester United. For Brighton, it is based purely because there is no other team in Sussex 
other than Brighton. Crawley Town. So the closest Don't they have to go... Don't disrespect Crawley. The original <laughs> Red Devils. The, the originals. The closest they have to go is up to South London, where Palace are. And you're spot on, because I looked into this as to why this became a derby. There's no, like, one event or particular sequence or particular cause for it. It's just because they were competing at similar levels for a long period of time. In the mid-70s, there was one particular game where I think it was like 74-75 season, Mm. where they got a larger-than-usual crowd because it was a significant game, like an extra 24,000 people there. There were police there, so they had to over-police it. There (laughs) were a few fights outside the stadium and in the ground, and the police essentially said it kicked off because it was hot and people had been drinking before. So this is a derby born out of it being quite a nice day. (laughs) Global warming warming and climate change is responsible for Crystal Palace and Brighton's hatred towards each other. Essentially, yeah. If you dubbed a a derby the global warming derby, I'd be more inclined to watch it. It'd be China versus the USA. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just looking on uh, maps. You can go basically, the confusion between A23 and M23 is that you can go on either road. To, uh, <laughs> this to is the new level of barrel from, scraping on the podcast. This, this from like, Palace to Brighton. This is like the conversations you have with your dad over Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. this what is, road did you take? Oh, well, is, we took yeah. the A25. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? The it game... takes one hour and 29. <laughs> it's international <laughs> break for this. This is the sort of thing we should be talking about in the international but, break. But the, still, game, the game itself kind of led up to... It's exactly the way we talked about the derby. I don't think either of those teams considered it a derby. It was a bit of a nothing game. Brighton uh, looked shaky I don't know. If you ask the supporters, they'll tell you that they don't like each other. Which is absolutely... I think that's brilliant. It's healthy to have a rivalry with the club. It didn't show it's, itself on the pitch imagine in being, any way. Okay, imagine you... I've, I've gone in on Reading fans before on this podcast. Imagine you're a Reading fan. Who do you hate? Who's your, who's your derby? Myself. <laughs> Brentford? Swindon? Are they the close, closest team to them? Wimbledon? Yeah. Would probably be one of the closer ones. Reading Football Club. One of the oldest football clubs in England, by the way. Who's their rivals? They haven't got any, uh, have they? I don't know. Southampton? Leeds. Southampton? Leeds. Everyone Redding, hates Leeds. Reading and Leeds Festival, <laughs> innit? Oh, yeah, I see. That's the only one. That's there. it. I like That's it. I, I like it. But I'm probably going to incite another two fan bases here. Two fan bases with one stone. <laughs> but... Right, London. You think of London clubs. If you named, if you rattled off the, as many London clubs as you could, should we try it? No, because it might disprove my point. Um, <laughs> Crystal Palace wouldn't be one one of the ones you immediately thought of. Like you think of like Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal first, and then you find, then you'd remember about Palace. And Palace haven't. It's the same with if you mentioned South Coast clubs, you'd mention Southampton and Portsmouth before Brighton. Mm. And I think it's two clubs that not many people hate just going well no one it's like Middlesbrough in 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 the northeast Newcastle and Sunderland hate each other but no and Middlesbrough like oh we're here too it's like you're so far south you're practically mm. Yorkshire go and have a rivalry with Hull a derby, down that down that east coast a derby that's born out of a need for a derby uh, these two don't have a proper derby like Niall was saying with Reading they've, they've not got a derby but they're, they're an hour and a half away from each other directly up up and down the okay. south coast directly up to uh, to Palace and they've gone Right, we hate you. <laughs> and they've gone, well, we've got no one else to hit, so we'll hit you back. It's yeah. a bit like Bournemouth. Gets... Bournemouth have done the same with Southampton because yeah. Southampton's rivals are us, Portsmouth, and I think Bournemouth feel like they're a little bit excluded. They're well, like there you the go. Little, the little brother, aren't they? Bournemouth and Brighton and Crystal Palace are the Middlesbrough of the South. Let's talk about the game. <laughs> um, Brighton, by all accounts, were the better side uh, for the majority of the game. 
They scored Neil Mopé with a, a good goal. It was a bit of a one of those where it could have fell to anyone in the box. Mm. We just happened to fall to a sharpshooter in Mopé who smashed the ball into the roof of the net it's for good one ball, nil. Isn't that, it was it, it was a good ball, and when then the knee slide, the, the knee slide for Mopé, and then those celebrating old ladies uh, at the front of the Brighton <laughs> fans. It was quite funny. Just four old women sat at the front, and all the Brighton lads uh, behind them celebrating it was good. Uh, good to see on on TV. Uh, but then Wilfred Zaha, Wilf Zaha turned the game back in. Crystal Palace's favour with a, a really good goal and he Absolutely smashed it in. He shouldn't have taken it on. No, he shouldn't have hit that. He should have crossed it back in. He should have cut back in. Because it was a hell of an angle to try and shoot But he from. scored though. Yeah. He did score. Um, what does this mean for, for him and for Crystal Palace? January is what, two weeks away, three weeks away now, Jim? It just seems a little bit convenient that he's hit form at this moment in time. A few goals. It felt like when he got one, he was going to go on a run and that's exactly what's happened. I don't know where Wolf Sahar would go. That's the problem with him maybe moving away from Palace. He feels like a better player than... Well, we're really... Palace fans are going to hate this podcast. He feels like a better player than Crystal Palace deserve. Oh. You know, he feels like he has got another Ooh. level in him. That's harsh. <laughs> but it's true at the same time, isn't it? To but be honest, he, I think even the most honest Palace fan would say he is too good for us. But he doesn't appear to be able to play at that level consistently. That I mean, he showed at Manchester United, he couldn't quite cut it there. He was so young. Arsenal or Liverpool would be able to cut it out. So where is his level? Where does he fit into? Because he needs a club that is a step up and a significant step up from Palace. And all credit to Roy Hodgson, who has now got Crystal Palace above Arsenal in the league table and has them playing... Okay. Okay, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Well, he single-handedly... Dragged Crystal Palace through last season, in my opinion. Yeah. Him, him and Milivojevic, the uh, winner pen, mm. score the pen, link third, up. Third highest Premier League scorer of all time, <laughs> Milivojevic, <laughs> for, for Crystal Palace. Is yeah. he really? In the Premier League wow, area. Okay. So I thought you just meant ever. I was like, Thierry no, Henry. No. Yeah. He scored a lot of goals quickly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that this season as well, other players have stepped up when Wilf maybe his head wasn't quite in it to begin with. Um, and he's got himself back on the straight and narrow. He's performing again for Crystal Palace. I just think that. He is the, he is their talisman. He's their key. He's and they their need star a player, player like that because Roy Hodgson thing is organisation, right? So he has got Palace playing incredibly organised football. But yeah, they score odd goals, but they've only scored fifteen goals, which Watford are the only Premier League team this season to have scored less. So they need a talented player who can make something out of nothing, like Zaha to tick. But mm. they need better strikers, don't they? It's look. It looks to all intents and purposes like Zaha would like to take that step up. But where does he go? Because there aren't many teams that would be able to afford A, the transfer fee, or B, the wages, mm. that don't then fall into that top tier of football that probably he can't make that step up to. I think it's a little bit harsh because he's he's earned Crystal Palace that point yesterday with a brilliant yeah. individual goal. He's shown he can do it, and he did it all of last season. Why does he not deserve a crack at a top club? He's a proven Premier League player. It's the hardest league in the world. Well, in Europe anyway. But mm. And he's shown that he can do it. But so has he does... proven it enough to command an £80 million transfer well, fee? Well, that's the way it goes. He's English. That's just, so that's just a market. You've got English it? tax. You've got Premier League tax and all of that stuff. You know, the reason yeah, that the players are If he chose England instead of Ivory Coast, it'd be worth £120 million, I, know, I, I did say yeah. he was English then, but you see what I'm saying. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, from, yeah. he's from these shores. He's homegrown player. Can you see him moving on, Marley? Jim's not convinced. Um, I can see him moving on, but it's a case of who do you go to because in the summer he was linked with Everton and it didn't work out and they ended up going and buying Alex Iwobi instead. Um, he's 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 half the player Zahar is, let's be honest. Arsenal um, have bought Pepe instead because yeah. he's linked with Arsenal as well. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't know where where does it go. I think exactly. If <laughs> that's Ever- my point. If Everton were still interested, I'd go there. If Ancelotti goes, because then that's even that's everything you need. Mm. You've got a, a genuine ambition with the club and a world class manager. And if he's interested in you, why wouldn't you go there? But it's a case of whether they want to spend that on him as well, because they would have to ship out the likes of Walcott or Sigurdsson or Bernard or Iwobi six months down the line of after just buying him. So I don't I don't know if they've got the clout to, to go and spend eighty million on him. Um Spurs maybe. I could I could see him at Spurs. Um under Jose. Mm. Yeah it's just I could see that happen. It's I don't know. It's Chelsea probably not. Chelsea if Chelsea are gonna buy a winger they're gonna go balls balls deep for Sancho, aren't they really? But whether they can get him, I don't know. And whether they see Zahar, because that stunts the progress of Hudson Adoy. Don't think he'd come back up north to Liverpool or Man United, because um, he'd been at United before. It didn't work out. Don't really see him doing that again. Even even though he could be quite good in Man United's team right now. He didn't particularly enjoy that move away from London, either, no. did he? So I think you're right. He I does think seem Spurs like Spurs or Chelsea would be the obvious choices if he is going to make that move. Yeah. I mean, but Chelsea would be very much a second choice after Sancho. Yeah, Spurs would make sense if they do end up having and if, to get rid of Ericsson. If they've got proper ambitions for Hudson Odoi, I don't see why you would. No, you would you would put another guy in front of him who's who's just as good. But if if they, they see Hudson Odoi as, as potentially world class, so mm. who knows? It's it's a tough one because he because yeah. he costs so much and mm. because. I can only see Spurs basically. Yeah, even yeah. they've got Sessignon to try and integrate into the team, and Lucas, and Son, and Ali, and Kane, yeah, and Eriksson for a limited time or whatever. But it's a tough one. That it is yeah. swap deal. Christian Eriksson goes to Crystal Palace, <laughs> <laughs> gets his move. Brilliant. So what we've seen hey, Eriksson can whip in a mean free kick. <laughs> well, Benteke will still smash it over the crossbar. Uh, Tomkins will get his forehead on one. Or something <laughs> like that. Tomkins will become the uh, uh, Premier League top scorer. Or we've seen stranger things in the Premier League, that's for sure. We're also, we're also seeing strange things in the cup competitions at this moment in time. Aston Villa take on Liverpool this evening in the quarterfinal of the Carabao Cup. After your whiz tip yesterday, Jim. Yeah, 8-1 uh, Liverpool to win yesterday. bookie bashing tip. The odds have changed. Yeah, There's been a not, shift in the market. Nine to two now. The odds have pretty much halved on a Liverpool wow. victory. Betting Jim. Betting Jim's Jim. going to have a, a, a Twitter account just dedicated to all these tips. Yeah, I think it, well, you have to look at my betting account to realise that <laughs> would not go very well at all. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it, it, it almost feels like it's more down to Aston Villa than it is to Liverpool, this game. Because I don't know how Aston Villa are going to approach it. Because they are fighting for their lives in the Premier League. And that has to be the priority. For any manager in the Premier League, staying up is more of a priority than winning a cup competition. And fans might disagree. The fans of the club might disagree. They want a day out at Wembley. They want a cup competition. So it's whether Aston Villa go for it and play their first string, in which case they should have enough to overcome Liverpool's youngsters. But if they don't, if they rest some players and take a little bit of a risk, then I think it might be a lot closer than we think. Look at the teams left in the competition, though. Everton against Leicester. These All the rest of these games are tomorrow, by the way. Everton versus Leicester. Now, with the way Duncan Ferguson's rejuvenated Everton, that might be a, a result in a cup game that could go Everton's way. Oxford play Manchester City. I don't think anyone's given Oxford much of a chance there. And Manchester United play Colchester. So, you know, it's not out of the question that Aston Villa could win this game against Liverpool, get a favourable draw in the semi-final, and end up at Wembley by the end of February which like you say when you're trying to fight for survival in the Premier League might not be the most ideal thing but you can't turn your nose up at a trip to Wembley and a possible trophy yeah um, 
it's it's like a, a carrot dangling in front of them, isn't it? It's just mm. whether they want to whether they want to grab it because, like you say, they're not clear of of relegation. I don't think any of the bottom half are, if no. I'm if I'm honest. Um, and you've got to remember as well what happened with Watford. Watford got to a FA Cup final and now the bottom of the league and can't win anything. So it's that psychological impact of, of what happens after you, you get to Wembley. And let's be honest, they're probably not going to win because if they get to Wembley, it's going to be Man City or Leicester, really, isn't it? So, or United. Yeah, exactly. Teams that are better than them. <laughs> so... But, I don't know. I, I think they'll. Uh, I think they'll win tomorrow. I think they'll beat Liverpool's uh, under twenty ones team. Basically, what it is, isn't it? So, I think they'll win that. Um, but it's just a case of how seriously they take it. Mm. Um, I think there's not enough experience in what Liverpool are, are going to field to to see off like Grealish, yeah, and players like that, El El Ghazi and Wesley and stuff like that. I, I, I can see Villa winning it. Just quickly, do you think Villa will stay up this year? Yeah. I think it's so difficult to predict. I think there's worst... I mean, this is a cliche. There's three worse teams than them in the league at the moment. (laughs) But which three of the teams that are at the bottom half of the table are worse varies on a week-to-week basis at the moment. You you just don't want to say West Ham, do you? That's what it is. I think West Ham are in serious danger, I think. You need to get the splinters out of your backside. You sat on the fence Watford aren't safe, so Watford are going down. I think there's one... Norwich City are going down. Yeah, I think there's one place up for grabs, and any one of seven teams could get it, probably. Saying up for grabs just sounds weird when you're talking about relegation. (laughs) (laughs) One space up for grabs, lads. Aston Villa should stay up, I think. They feel like they belong in the Premier League. Okay, like, I, think, I would yeah. agree with that on certainly stature and stuff like that. I think Norwich and Watford will go down. Well, Possibly Southampton. Well, hopefully. We'll have to <laughs> wait and see. This has been Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast for Tuesday. We'll be back again tomorrow. We've also got some festive podcasts coming up as well, so keep your ears out for those. But that's it for now. Thanks to Marley, thanks to Jim. I've been Niall, and we'll speak to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.